0: Hello and welcome back to the TetraCast. It is episode 257, recording on June 25th, 2022. I am your host for this week, Josh Torres. Uh, Our usual host, Brian Vitale, has some life things going on, so you'll just have to deal with me this week. I'm sorry. Sorry. So I'll I'll try my best. Joining me on today's TetraCast is Adam Vitale. Hello. James Galizio. Hey, folks. And Chow Min Wu, How's it going? So it's been, you know, quite a week. We're just kind of exiting the not quote-unquote not E3, uh, you know, flood of news that came at the earlier this month. So we're kind of like, you know, there's still a good amount of news that came out, still uh, some cool releases that came out this week. Um, so we're just going to dive in uh, to the stuff that we've been playing and then... After that, as the usual, we'll call, uh, shout out some articles and uh, go through the news. So starting from the from the top here, uh, I want to shout out already. Uh, Colin Black gave us uh, a review for AI The Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative, the sequel to uh, the AI The Somnium Files uh, a few years ago. And uh, two of us have been uh, playing it here. Uh, James and I, I've started playing uh, that game. And, you know, I'm only at the opening hours, I have only did the first sync, but uh, to kind of give people some context about what this game is all about, the this is a sequel to, well, I forgot the subtitle of the first Somnium Files, what was it called? The Did it
1: have one?
2: Did it have one? The I'm Somnium Files was the...
0: Uh... Oh, I, okay. it is mainly uh, point and click uh, through certain scenarios and talking to people through certain investigations and in that in that first game you took on the role of this uh investigator named kanami date now in the sequel you're taking control of two protagonists one of them is the the child the adoptive child uh, effectively of kanami date named mizuki Uh, so she takes center stage along with a new character named ryuki and I just want to, you know, get some early impressions here. You can read Colin Black's thoughts on RPG Site about his review. He really, really, really liked the game, gave it a very positive review, uh, saying that it's it's uh, it goes in a different direction than what might what people might uh, expect coming into it, but it's really refreshing in the way that uh, it unveils its story and a a lot of praise was given to like the mystery and like uh the detective story part of it. So James, you're playing it as well. Give us your early impressions on the Nirvana
2: initiative. Uh it's really, really good. It's also funny that uh so it's working perfectly on my Steam Deck, like, just out of the box where if you've read Colin's review, he did not have it working correctly on the Steam Deck out of the box, and apparently it's just random, like, even with the same exact settings, like, just some people are not having the game work properly for them, and I I think that's kind of hilarious.
0: Yeah, how far are you in? So, uh, where I'm at right now, like I mentioned earlier, I've had the first sync, and for people who don't know that, in the AI Somnium files, both the first game and the sequel, there's this mechanic uh, where... In certain, at certain times of the story use this machine to dive into like the the brain of like a certain person so the investigators have a, have a machine where they can like tap into like the brain of like a certain individual to kind of uncover the truth search their memories search their subconsciousness and kind of uh surface the truth of what they're not telling you so there's the, they have this thing called the sync machine called the PSYNC that's the spelling of it um, how far are you? I only did the first one of those and that, that was already wild. It already introduced some new mechanics that I won't spoil for folks. Obviously we're going to try to stay as spoiler free as possible, uh, for people out there who are very excited to get their hands on it.
2: So I've done five syncs, and I've gotten my first, uh, route ending.
0: Oh, wow. that <laughs> very fast already. Um, the, well, what's your, obviously you can't totally talk about what's happened in it, but, uh, what's your initial impressions, uh, on it in relation to the first game.
2: Uh I didn't have any expectations for the new characters in Ryuki and Tama. And mm-hmm. uh I absolutely love their duo. It's just like Tama is different from Aiba, but she is very, very cool. Yeah,
0: and and Tama is like kinda of like the this AI assistant that helps the investigators like Tama did for Date in the in the first game. Or not Tama, um what was her name? Aiba. And I, I, now Aiba is helping Mizuki uh, instead of Date, uh, you know. And so it's it's really interesting, like how much Ryuki. Like I I don't really know much about Ryuki, but the 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 things that he goes through uh, early on, like is already kind of working for me. He's a, he's a, definitely a character that I didn't wasn't expecting just like from his appearance. And from when they first showed off uh, Ryuki's designs, like oh, okay, it's like a generic uh, individual that I thought was gonna be like for people who didn't play it for the the first game. So maybe like introducing a new character for that like new fresh perspective but it's uh the way he uh conducts himself um really i, I wasn't expecting it and this is not a spoiler but like for the for the premise of this game it happens um it- it's weird it happens there are two time periods this happens in uh, where it touches upon the first is like several months after the first game shortly after and and then there's another time period where it happened. There's a, a another scenario, another side to it that happens six years into the future, um, and that's where you have like the the grown-up Mizuki's model in it, and like the and like the the one that happens the earlier time period is more focused on Ryuki's side, and like obviously the the events that transpire between these two periods, the two time periods are linked to each other because the the new investigation that they go upon, uh, there's just very very ba- basic plot premise stuff that's not a spoiler but the the interesting thing that's happening in this uh game is that there's this whole central mystery about there's this man who was physically cut in half and both halves of those of that man is like on the ground uh when you, when you first find them one of them is from that earlier time period months after the first game and the other one the other half was discovered six years after and they haven't deteriorated Um, they look fresh so
2: yeah also the thing that's really freaky is that the time of death is fucked up for the second half and uh, also it's like they make it very clear it's not that he was just like sawed in half it's like he was like cut in half perfectly at the molecular level it's like yeah
0: yeah so that's the hook right there of like how is How was that even possible? <laughs> you know so it's a it's a really really interesting mystery uh, I do like that um <laughs> it, it's a really small thing about this game but i, I enjoy it like the the first day Somnium files sort of did this but the, the you know because the, when you're exploring around the environment sometimes um characters have very cheeky things to say about the things that you're observing in the environment, but this one has like a, a, a another layer to it where. Uh, since in order to see like the a i assistance uh both in this game and the first game um the a, an eyeball has to be replaced with one of these uh special eyeballs to see them uh in the first place and for for you, for them to communicate, communicate and uh so they call that the iris and um through this iris like you kind of see like the game u i lens so you 're kind of seeing like what that's what, how the ui is manifested and explained uh in, in the game is like through this iris you can like interact with stuff and then the, now in part of the interface there's like sometimes this scrolling text at the top to like give you like kind of like some trivia like uh, the, it's not even just for people who like haven't played the first game it'll clue you in a little if you haven't played the first game you're just copying into this fresh but also just like give tidbits of like certain personality traits of someone of like it doesn't just like you know the way they are or, like the how the Flavor gives text of, like, kind of explaining why sometimes this character freaks out. It's like, yeah, this character is kind of, like, mentally just not there sometimes, and, like, it's kind of... Th- they're working through it.
2: Yeah, uh, spoiler alert, and it's not even really a spoiler. You see it in the the opening moments. Ryuki ain't all the way there. <laughs> like yeah. <at>
0: all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, th- that has been really, really cool. Uh, another, uh, mechanic that has... Come back from the first game, kind of like the quote-unquote main gameplay mechanic are these instances when you sink into someone and dive into, to dive into their mind called somniums. And obviously, I won't say anything about like what they contain, but like in the first game, to reach like like to progress on, you need to go go through certain mental locks inside a person's brain by figuring out puzzles in them, and you're given a time limit. In them to solve these puzzles the time limit will will ease up if like you you stop moving in them because you could take control of aiba or tama the ai assistance in them and time will only progress forward uh if you like rapidly if you move them and you only have a time of about like six minutes uh each of them so you have to like kind of find out clues on how to progress uh and stuff i know for some people um they were they they kind of got frustrated with some of the somniums in the first game, and Colin in his review said that uh, the difficulty is uh, leading on the easier side in the second game in comparison to the first. So since you've seen a, a good chunk of them already, James, what do you think about that that assessment?
2: Um, I do think overall the somniums have been a little bit simplified, but I don't think it's as massive a change as uh, folks like not just Colin but others are making it out to be. I think that the scope of them is similar enough, it's just a little bit more straightforward so you don't get frustrated about having to constantly redo things. Like I enjoyed the first Somium files, but I'll, def- I'll definitely agree that I wasn't a big fan of the actual Somium sections right right Um, because because
0: like it's it's one of those weird things where like you can't really solve them logically like you can't uh, you can't expect like what you're doing in them to like make a lot of sense like like say like there's like a puzzle and say like I, i need to get that um uh this pencil into the sharpener like just for instance like obviously like in a logic puzzle like if there's obstacles in the way like uh, the, like i i grab this pencil and like say there's several obstacles in the way like i'll just like you know either push them out of the way pull them out of the way uh put them elsewhere but in so- in somnium's sometimes the truth isn't like or the logic isn't that simple to like say to get this pencil into the sharpener sometimes you have to like interact like in the puzzle with like licking the table or, like, flipping the table over to a certain, like, side of the room, and then that'll make things, like, larger, or just... I'm just putting out, like, absurd scenarios, because, like, that's how Somniums uh, operate, where, at least in the first game, where, like, a, a good chunk of them didn't really make sense logically to get into the solution. And I'm wondering if that's kind of... if that carries on into, like, into Nirvana Initiative. It
2: definitely does, but I will say it. it even on the normal difficulty it's absolutely an easier time than um the first uh, i um somnium sections mm-hmm. um, but yeah Mr. i've i've been having an easier time with the somnium stuff in this game and i i don't think i still i still don't think i'm a big fan of them but they're definitely um more enjoyable with the current um balance than how i felt with the first one no, i wasn't even someone that was upset about like the dream logic stuff i just wasn't into it
0: right okay so obviously i'm not that far into the game so i don't know if there's like any new mechanics that i haven't touched upon yet do you want to like call to attention any like new mechanics and systems that particularly stood out to you in the nirvana initiative or it's like it's okay. or is it more of the
2: same okay so there are moments uh <clears throat> where uh and I'm not sure if this this is just... No, no, it's not just Ryuki. I just have only done Ryuki's route stuff so far. Okay. Uh, there will be moments where your eyeball will actually recreate a murder scene and ask you to reenact what might have happened because they, like, recorded all the information, both, like, normal cameras, thermal cameras, and X-ray cameras while they were at the scene without telling you, and then... Like, Tama makes it a whole thing where, like... And this kind of goes into the character dynamic between Tama and Ryuki, where Tama cares very deeply about Ryuki and makes it very clear, versus, like, Aiba, where it's, like, there's... You can tell they care, but it's, like, a... Almost like a sibling's bickering type of thing in the first game. Uh, Tama is just outright, it's like, I'm worried about you. Don't push yourself. But she also, at the same time, will try and, like, push Ryuki a little bit out of his uh, comfort zone it, it so one of the things she does is she'll be like okay so i've recorded all this data i want you to play an actor and reenact what happened after you like figure out okay here's how it probably like um happened or here's how the body was moved stuff like that and she gets up in this like um movie director persona and just like absolutely start screaming at him to to do his lines correctly and stuff it's it's funny
0: that's good that's good i I enjoy that i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that in action but yeah i mean that's kind of been my small slice of uh nirvana initiative so far i'm still very early on uh, because i'm working on other stuff for the site um is there (laughs) <laughs> Is there anything else you want to uh, talk about uh, with, the, with the game, uh, James?
2: Uh, so Colin's kind of alluded to it on Twitter, mm-hmm. but he, um, I'm sure we're all familiar with that one video that he posted from Somnium 1 that went viral for both good and bad reasons. Uh, uh,
0: what was it, yeah, so describe it for people who haven't seen it.
2: Uh, the uh, the scene in Somnium Files 1 where uh, Mizuki says... Uh, let's go gay rights. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they double down on that quite a bit yeah. in uh Nirvana initiative. It is really cool. Um, so for one thing, Tama is very, very horny, mm-hmm. but she's a bit of a bi con because she gets <laughs> horny about regardless of, who, if they're hot, she doesn't care what gender they are.
0: <laughs> hey, I respect and, that.
2: And, uh, there's a really funny, um, dynamic between her and, uh, at Ryuki and there's like one moment where he's trying to tell jokes to trying like cheer this uh, one uh, girl up and uh, he makes a joke saying "Um, there's the last man in the world and somebody knocked on his door Who? um, what was it and he says oh the joke is it's a woman and then like Tama just blows up at him and says there's more than just men and women in this world dumbass
0: (laughs) I I enjoy the um there are certain sections of the game, like early on, where you're like in this quiz show, uh, and I enjoyed the host of that quiz show because, he, like, his the shape of his head is just a literal block. It's like a. They Minecraft. never
2: explain it. They never explain it.
0: <laughs> and I was like, "What is going on with this guy? It's so bizarre." But it's like, That's, okay, sure.
2: He's, he's just Minecraft Steve. That's just how he looks. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about uh, Nirvana Initiative more uh, as I get deeper into it, as you see more routes. I'm hoping to hopefully get it done in a fairly quick manner, so to avoid spoilers uh, on that, because it's people seem to really really enjoy it. And get, give give uh, Cullen's uh, review a read on the site if you haven't, uh, dear listener. It's a really really uh, well made review. So. Thank you for that, James. Thank you for chatting with me a little bit about AI, the Samyam Fowls Nirvana Initiative. Uh, next up, Adam, uh, you've been... Uh, <laughs> this is kind of an interesting game that you've been uh, exploring here. What have you been up to playing Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles The Crystal Bearers? I believe this was
1: originally for the Wii, it's, right? It's only for the Wii. It doesn't have only any for version. for the Wii, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I actually never talked about it, and maybe I will. Um, so we talked in previous weeks how the release schedule was a bit light, you know, up until around now, um, in previous weeks, like late May, early June. And I had recently rehooked hooked up my, my Wii U, which is also my Wii, and I played through Pandora's Tower, which is, maybe I won't talk about it right now, but it's a game I found really interesting. It's pretty different, pretty unique. Um, the type of game that is. And, uh, while I had my system hooked up, I'm like, you know what? I have this Crystal Chronicles, the Crystal Bearers game that I've never played. So why not give it a run through? And I heard it's not that long, you know, it's kind of different. And so the, the, my immediate like first takeaway for this game is that it's, it is way more like story focused and cinematic than I expected. Um, so there are a handful of Crystal Chronicles games. I only played the original, um, which unfortunately got a remaster that just wasn't very good at all. But the original Crystal Chronicles is like not story focused. It's more of a you know a dungeony like multiplayer RPG thing. It's pretty cool, but it's not a story focused game. It's just not. And so Crystal Bearers, it was surprising to me just like how many cutscenes there are in the game, and also just like. How many, like, cinematics that are, like, well-directed cinematics there are in the game? It was just very surprising that that's kind of the focus that it had. So the premise generally is, is that uh, you play as a crystal bearer named Lael, and you are an escort for basically a, a like, cruise ship or, like, a, a royal liner type of ship. But then you get attacked, and then from there uh, you get attacked by a mysterious Yuke crystal bearer. Yuke is one of the... Crystal Chronicles races they're the they're like the armor guys right like they're kind of like they're kind of like the uh, um Al from like Full Metal Alchemist they're just souls bonded yeah. armor and mm-hmm. um you're basically wondering the basically the premise of the game is why did this Uke attack our ship and what are they after and it goes from there and it's a pretty short game relative to other RPGs I beat it in like 12 hours or something like that um the gameplay kind of sucks it's, it's. I, I remember
0: you, there, you had like a cursor on the screen for like the Wii mode. I forgot how yeah. how the remote, uh, how you interact with the Wii mode and like what its function was.
1: Yeah, so you use the cursor to basically like point at anything on the on the screen, and you can grab enemies with your like remote or you're your in the game. Your like crystal bearer powers are basically telekinesis, and then you can fling enemies into other enemies to basically do damage, and then you can fling like items and tree stumps and rocks and whatnot into enemies as well it reminded me of dawn of mana which is not the game you want to remind me of because that game is yeah. terrible um i i like i said i, I liked you know the story focused i like the characters Lail is pretty cool uh there's another character named bell who's pretty cool uh and like it, it I'm, I really like the Crystal Chronicles world, like how it incorporates like these four major races and just kind of the general aesthetic design of it. But the gameplay is just kind of it feels like tech demoe It doesn't feel like a well actually like designed game. Otherwise, uh, uh,
0: what, I, what I remember like when I think of like the Crystal Bearers, right? Like the thi- the thi- the term that like, pops to my head is like it's a very free spirited type of game from my memory. Like it's a, like the story is very. I remember, I remember the story not being heavy. It was like kind of just like doing its own thing, but not like depressing.
1: No, not okay. heavy as in like dense. I remember I was actually streaming this, um, and Brian was watching. He's like, "Man, was that like a twenty-five minute cutscene?" Like, yeah, it kind of was because <laughs> there are a lot. So it's heavy in terms of the sense like dense cutscenes. There's a lot of them, and they can get, get pretty lengthy. But it's not like it's all pretty. Not like mood. Yeah, not no, like it's pretty. Mood. It's pretty lighthearted and whatnot. Um, and the game is more of an action adventure than an RPG where you're, it's more linear. You're kind of going through. You don't really have levels per se. You can gain like more pips to your health. That's about it. Um, I forgot. It, were, there,
0: were there any other like playable characters or were you only stuck as playing um, what's his name? You decided. You only
1: play as Lael. Uh, okay. And um, the thing is, like. When I was playing this, I was like, man, I really like this world and like the aesthetic design and like the characters. And I'm just kind of I'm kind of bummed in the sense that the Crystal Chronicles like spinoff series after that remaster a few years ago is probably just dead in the water now. Because I kind of like I feel like there's something you could explore here to make it like its own little Final Fantasy brand. Um, But they just haven't really landed it fully in any sense. The remaster of the original Crystal Chronicles just didn't, wasn't implemented well, and you know that was a few years ago. And you know, there's no reason to believe there's anything ever going to be another ser- entry in the series after that. But like, it's 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 a it's, a, it's an interesting game, but it's it, it 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 felt like it was kind of going out of its way to like have as thin a gameplay as possible. Like, they just adhered to, like, you know, this this game came out when the Wii was, you know, popular. like we Yeah, this, use... a,
0: this is definitely the era of, like, just, you, you, right, the, like, the whole concept of the mainstream of, like, oh, you can use, like, the remote to, like, right. control things on the screen, and that was... Mm-hmm. And, like, like, games were built more around that concept more so than just fleshing out, like, the game content itself.
1: Yeah, like, the design of the game is literally how do we use the remote? And, yeah, you used it, but it's just kind of... You're literally, like, going through the game... Like, the gameplay is pick up an enemy with a remote, you basically point at them, you click a button to, like, pick them up, and then you kind of waggle the remote to fling them into another enemy, and that's pretty much it. So it's it's unfortunate. Um, it's not like it works, it's not like it's broken, it's just kind of not very deep or interesting, but but yeah, that's that's my experience with that game, and it's like... I kind of wish there would be another Crystal Chronicles. Like I think a modern Crystal Chronicles that maybe had that sort of like aesthetic style and like a Crystal Chronicles like the original type multiplayer sort of focused game could be well done in the modern day with online capable, you know, online multiplayer and whatnot. Um, you know, partying up with your friends and going through dungeons and whatnot. But the implementation of that remaster just was terrible and being specific what it was was like you would team up with your friends and go through a dungeon but only like the host would get progress so you would literally like if you wanted to progress through the game with your friends you would literally have to have like the host like let's say you had four four friends like a group of four you'd have to have to have the host like. Play through a level, and then you'd have to like switch hosts to the second character to have then play through the level again to have them get progress. Then switch to the third character, and it's just like this is dumb. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: yeah that that world has uh, the Crystal Chronicles like just overall big picture world view has so much more potential. I yeah. I, I do. I am with you. With that it, it deserves another shot, like in a more modern focused. Like, what does that world actually look like? The, high, the higher fidelity and visuals, and just like a better like yeah, like a better focus rather on gimmicks more so than like. Rather than give us actually just like flesh out like a proper game out of it because yeah. I think that's always been the kind of kind of the tragedy of the Crystal Chronicles games it's like they were like they were drivers in experimental game design at the cost of you know being able to like tell a proper like story and flesh out its characters more yeah the uh, any plans of like what are you gonna uh, go towards next what are you gonna work towards next after this
1: well. After beating Pandora's Tower and Crystal Chronicles, those are kind of like the remaining games in like my Wii backlog. Um, so, you know, but now we have a handful of games coming out. I'm probably not going to play, is it AI, the, the Somnium Files, or I?
0: It could be either way, honestly. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't really play like visual novel type games. I don't really play Monster Hunter. But, you know, we have mm-hmm. Xenoblade coming up. We have Live Alive coming up. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean we're we're getting we're getting there. We're, they're creeping up. They're creeping up. Okay, thanks for sharing with us about the Crystal Bearers, one of the last holdouts on just being on the Wii. and yeah. nowhere else. Nope. Crazy. Um. All right, James, you've also been playing uh, the new game by from Yu Suzuki, creator of Shenmue, along with uh from their his development studio Eastnet. They uh. Released uh, Air Twister, an Apple Arcade exclusive for this one, and that just recently came out. Tell, tell us your, about your time with Air Twister.
2: Uh, it's it's really weird. It's uh, very clearly a space shooter type game. Um, the controls are very clearly designed for touch screens. So even though you can play this on like an Apple TV or even like sync a controller to your phone or like tablet and play it that way, I wouldn't because. You uh, tap to the direction of the screen you want to go to, and then the way it works is, is that while you're holding down, you can still like move your character around by like sliding your finger around the screen, and then you can tap or hold another direct like never part of the screen to aim at. So it's like, oh wow, there's okay. like a really interesting like control scheme where it's like if you use both your thumbs, you can like which which thumb is like holding down and which one you let go of, and then just so you can, like, switch sides and move and determine where you're shooting. It's really interesting. It takes a little bit to get used to it now that you do. Like, once you do, it's like, oh, this is actually really, really good, surprisingly.
1: Yeah,
0: I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, that really caught me off guard. didn't know how this game actually controlled. Like, when they first showed, I was like, oh, it's like a 3D successor, like, uh, to Space Harrier. They're really going for that. But I wasn't aware that it had that sort of control scheme where you kind of are really encouraged to use, like, a two-finger um, yeah. sort of. Lock it into also
2: uh, has a lock on so it's like there will be enemy formations and you want to kind of like trace over them with your finger to get all of them in the lock on to take them it, out. And it's, is there like any
0: sort of like like story premise or like what's going on in Air Twister? Or is it just like
2: yeah, yeah there's, here's some there, dragons. there's a story okay. And there's actually stuff you can unlock that fills in the lore of the game world okay. and all that. Huh. It's for lack of a better like term, it's like it's all it. it, it, I, I, now I've never done this, so I can't say for sure, but this feels like an acid trip. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, space
0: carrier gets there. So yes, like late game space Harrier is definitely like an acid trip. So,
2: yeah. So there, there, there's a story that you can read into if you like, because the progression for this game is really, really weird. Uh, because there's like an arcade mode, because obviously this is very, like a very arcade inspired game, and you can try and see how far you can get in the arcade mode, but you don't get continues. And the only way to progress is uh, through basically either being really, really good and not taking any damage, or through doing the story mode, because when you when you go through the story mode, every time you finish a stage, you get a portion of your health replenished. Okay, so what's
0: the difference between story mode and arcade mode? I just, I assume arcade mode is just like you go it's through the stage, just pop, pop, pop.
2: It's just score attack. Like, don't do the arcade okay. mode until you. Honestly, I would like avoid it until you like finish the game. I haven't finished the game. There's like okay. I think like 15 stages, so it's like oh, okay. a pretty wow. meaty, pretty beefy, like, uh, and you have to do it all in one shot. So it's like pretty Whoa. beefy. Yeah. Um, the progression's really, really weird because you can kind of tell that they might've wanted this to be a free to play game at first because it's got this thing where it's like, okay, as you're going through the game and story mode, as you're defeating enemy formations, you get stars and those stars can be, can be spent to fill out like, This world map thing, which as you're unlocking spaces, you unlock uh, health, you unlock new uh, outfits, hairstyles, colors, and even, like, accessories that buff your character in the story mode. And also, like, entirely different weapons that have different properties eventually. Uh So is there, like,
0: in in the story mode, do you actually, like, go out to a world map to select the next stage on that world map? No, no, no,
2: no. It's all completely linear. It's just, like, you get... The stars in the story mode, which you can spend on the separate, like, I think it's like an adventure map is what they call it. And it's very weird because in addition to all of that, you also have daily and weekly tasks. Oh, boy. And uh, those will also get you stars. They will get you these uh, trial tickets, which you can use to test out uh, weapons you can eventually unlock for, like, one run. Because you don't get the weapons until way later into the adventure map. But you can use the tickets to try them out early if you want to see if that's something you want to work towards. And if you don't care about that, you can exchange them for stars just to continue on with the adventure map.
0: This seems more robust than I was initially thinking.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and then there's like, um, I haven't even unlocked it yet. I've put like, I'd say like three or four hours into it, something like that. And there's like this like Fluffy's Trials or something which you can eventually unlock, which I don't know what the hell that is. Uh there there's a lot. It's like definitely more fully featured than I was expecting. Um it's def- it's it's not the reason to get Apple Arcade. That's Fantasian. But um if you already have it, it's definitely worth uh, giving a shot, especially if you're a fan of those arcade style shooters uh like Space Harrier and whatnot. How's the music in this game? Uh legally distinct Queen. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Like, yeah. Uh, like, Probably. actually, let me see if I can find the title theme because it's like it sounds so much like Queen. It's like, oh, let's see.
0: Yeah, I, I remember when they like when they were kind of showing this off like for the first time recently. I was like that the the soundtrack really stood out. It's like, what are they? <laughs> like, like you said, legally distinct Queen. Because I was like, what are they going for? That's it's, it's not it's not a it's not a thing I would have expected from this game. But that's the, all the progression mechanics that you've been describing for me it's like i just thought this would just be like a straight up like a space harrier was cool so let's go for it but
2: oh man you can tell so little people are playing this because i I, the most people i've seen like the most like views i'm seeing for air twister videos because this came out like two days ago on youtube it's like a thousand views that's it (laughs) that's it (laughs) man Uh, and i can't find any ost uploads it's okay
0: it's okay But yeah, uh, anything else you want to share about Air Twister?
2: I mean, I basically said all I can say. It's like it's yeah. very much a space carrier type game. It's pretty good. Um, the visuals are nice. It runs well. Um, well, not sure if I should say that because I did just get a new phone, so it's like you'd hope that on the most recent iPhone it would run well. But um, okay, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Thank you for that uh so if you do still have your apple arcade uh subscription up, consider checking that out. i recently but f- remembered to uh, cancel mine uh, because I've just kind of been letting it run in the background after Fantasian, but maybe even if, if like, there's like a big hit r p g again i'll I'll check it out along with the whatever that is but you know we're we're all still waiting for um Fantasian to come to other platforms one day crossing don't our fingers
2: I do not <clears throat> think it will crossing our
0: fingers because we just want, we just want others to really play that and uh yeah come to love it.
2: So yeah. RPG of the year 2021.
0: It's true. It's true. So um has stepped out for a little bit, so we can, maybe we'll circle back to him on what he's been up to and he, if he comes back. But uh for my end uh to to wrap this up, uh I when the Steam, before the Steam next fest closed Uh, I tried out this uh, surprising uh, little indie one-man RPG called Small Saga, and apparently it's been in development for quite a while now, for like, I want to say over five years now, so who knows? I don't know when this is actually going to come out. It seems to be a very, very uh, crazy scope for a a single-person project, but uh, apparently it is not not just part of Steam Next Fest. If you're interested in trying out the demo, uh, check it out, but I will uh, try to keep spoilers to a minimum. Like within the first thirty minutes, there is definitely like things that happen in it that I have to like describe for people. The uh, so if you want, if you want to leave that surprise uh, uh, to yourself, uh, you know, consider skipping ahead. Just to, making like, sure even... this this
1: game is called Small Saga.
0: It's called Small Saga. Okay. Yes, yeah. It's on it's on Steam. You can download the demo, check it out. I uh, highly encourage it. So small saga is like a homage to uh Japanese RPGs turn based. And at the very beginning you take control of these two rats, uh one is named Vern and one is named Lance. And they're uh trying to go up to the the paradise, which is like the surface world, um, to uh get to basically get food, get cheese, I believe, uh, on there. And so you're go you're kind of wandering through these like the small sewer section and you're and it's uh, very much like an isometric perspective as you're um going around and then so as you're going ar- going around and you get some treasure chests you come up to like the first uh, ba- uh battle uh i got like these kind of like these bullies these uh, r- other rats and uh one of these uh Rats uh, has like something they call a god weapon, uh, and this god weapon is just like little trinkets from like the surface world. So the first one you come across is like a pocket knife, and they call this a god weapon. And uh, and uh, and uh, the battles that play out as like most you know turn-based rpgs, you have an attack option, and the attack actually you can have like a standard attack, some skills that like um, cost like pips. So like like uh, like a skill might like cost 2 pips and you gain 1 pip per turn. So very basic stuff like that. You have a defend option and then the item option to um use consumables. Um the the the, the camera is very much you, your part you you see your party's backs facing the enemy. So it takes on like that kind of third person tilt shift perspective. Um on that it's a, it it looks very very awesome. And so this will be the part where I c like I was like it's your standard okay. JRPG, there are definitely like skill trees that you can use to like enhance your characters and their stats and learn new abilities through them. But uh, there's a certain turning point and I highly if you if you wanna don't wanna ruin the surprise, uh I, I recommend skipping ahead maybe like five minutes on this. So after you reach um paradise, uh with uh Lance and Verm, um you're, you're kinda of go around and then you there are moss traps like in this convenience store where you're at, and then so you gotta kinda go around them then um they something appears to like check up on the store it's like it's like it's like your t- typical like janitor uh checking up on the store to this uh as the yellow god and uh they're like oh shit the yellow god is here, so they're just trying to like make off like with the goods um but along the way, like the yellow god has caught up to them. And like, and you're like, oh shit. So, uh, so as Lance and Verm try to uh, get back into like where they came out from, um, Verm's tail gets caught by a mousetrap. And they're like, oh shit. And then Lance is like, um, okay, I'll, I'll distract the yellow god so you have time to escape.
1: Just cut off the tails.
0: Uh huh. So Lance, like Lance, had like a, like from this point on, you think Lance is like just gonna be like your 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 party member. They have their own skill tree. It's like okay, there's nothing that's gonna happen to Lance. And then Lance, like, this is all done like in, in like in through game, like through like a, a turn based battle. Lance gets up on a shelf and tries to like get the attention of this yellow god. So that the, you know so Verb has time to escape. And like as you're like trying to like. Dish out attacks, throw out attacks to uh, this person. Um, It's obviously doing no damage, nothing at all. And then uh, uh, at some point, like you know, uh, Lance is using a bow and arrow to try and get its attention. And after a certain amount of hits, the yellow god turns to Lance, and then it's like, okay, there's a rat up there. And obviously, the the natural response from people is like, just go kill that rat. So you see. yellow god's hand go up and grab lance and squishing him to death like you're seeing damage numbers pop up like from like six like 20 to like all of a sudden it's like 70 to like 300 to like say 547 to like it gets to the thousands it's doing that per crunch on the fist to lance and you're like, oh my god, what did I sign up for? <laughs> and you just see this glance, just like fucking die, get murdered by this yellow god at per crunch of the fist. And you're just seeing this in the from the lens of this turn based battle. You're like, oh, what? And as this is going on, Verm is trying to get the hell out of there, and like out of desperation now, like now that the, this person is so close. Verm like uses this like small scalpel that he has as a sword, and he's like, "All right, well, my tail's caught up in this. I'm gonna cut off my tail. There's that's the only way." So once again, through this turn-based perspective, like through a turn-based battle, you're using uh, Verm's weapon, the scalpel, to just hack and slash his tail off, and you're get, obviously taking damage as you're trying to hack and slash th- your tail off. And it's yeah, and you're just like, Oh my God, so you eventually you you you've cut it off and you you flee from there, you don't even have the food anymore it's like it's all just you're just like you're just trying, trying to get the hell out of there i, I don't know if it's cheese or grain or forgotten now, maybe it was grain, but and then it's like, and then after that incident, it's like like set, like six or nine it's like several years later, there's like a time skip after it, and you're just like, oh my god what what's going gonna go on now' So now, Verm is like this hooded individual that's like all badass. And the, and his weapon of choice now is that god weapon that you, that you got from like the first tutorial boss. Who, so he has like a, a pocket knife, a big ass pocket knife at his back. which just like had like a, like a buster sword almost <laughs> um, in, in this time skip. So he's all badass now. And as he's uh, roaming around like this kitchen, you come across this cat. And this cat is in, his way, is in his way, and is like, step aside. I'm try-, like, he's just trying to fight the Yellow God that took the life of Lance, and he wants revenge uh, from that. And obviously, the cat's like, uh, you're not stepping foot in my kitchen, mouse. What the hell you're doing? Get out of here! And uh, you have this like the boss fight with this big ass cat. In, in in this ca- this kitchen, this random person's kitchen, you don't know whose kitchen it is, and you're like duking it out. Obviously, you're still powerless against this uh, this cat. It's too big. While um, you, uh, while you, uh, you feel cool with this like new God Buster sword, <laughs> uh, pocket knife that you have, um, it's still not enough. And an onlooker uh, from outside, like a mole, sees this battle and kind of like bails verm out because he gets flung back outside and um and and like in in the the demo you kind of meet like one of the first quote-unquote towns you meet is like this mole's like community's underground cavern all uh almost so as you're kind of getting to know like where you are like who this mole person is um you you come across like this mole community of like what uh, they actually have like this this whole like section of like a, like a library in in this mole community that like talks about like a certain god that looks over them and like you're kind of you're kind of just try- learning more about this mole community from this um mole named shoban s i o b h a n i think that's how it's, it's pronounced is shoban and uh th- eventually this Mole person uh, is your becomes your second party member, and their weapon of choice is, is the like they have like a scholarly hat, they have glasses, so they're gonna be the mage of the party. This uh, this mole, the Shoban, has like um a secret secret stash of goods in like the, this this library. Like you 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 hit a hit a switch or no you don't hit a switch you like push a bookcase out of the way to get their secret stash of goods. And, like, the secret stash of goods is, like, there's, like, a Game Boy there. There's, like, a utensil box there. There's, like, you know, various, like, trinkets from, like, the human world there. And their weapon of choice is a lighter. And the lighter, obviously, you know, makes fire. So that's their weapon of choice. That's how they that, that that's your mage for the game is Shoban and their weapon of choice is a lighter to to cast fire attacks. And I'm like, Dude, this game's fucking sick.
2: Okay, (laughs) Uh, okay. So, breaking news: I just double checked, and uh, there is an uh, Itch.io page for Small Saga, and you can still download the demo there.
0: Yeah, you can. Okay, yes. Thank you. So you can download the demo on Itch.io, and I think the the demo is still available on Small uh, on Steam. Um, If anything that you've heard is sick as shit, definitely try it out. uh, so like, and that so now that you get your second party member, this mage, this uh, this is like the tutorial of like elemental weaknesses. This guy is, you know, weak to fire. So you know you get you get to use like the lighter uh, as like a sort of like, off, like your fire actions towards this cat. You don't uh, don't worry. You do not kill the cat. You just you, you you injure it, but you don't you do not kill the cat. I just want to get that out of the way for people who are. Um, scared and i i won't spoil the rest of the demo uh there's there's it is quite a meaty demo there is more stuff that happens after this uh part but i i you do meet you, like for example you meet like your third party member in it and i won't spoil who they are but i'm uh i was very impressed i was very impressed i I'm, this uh, this demo has convinced me that i must play this game when it fully launches i don't know when it fully launches because this game has been like in development for such a long time from this um one uh, from this single person uh, their their name is Jeremy Nogani and i hope that it's amazing i was i was blown back by 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 this game um so to anyone who is looking for like a really cool promising turn based uh jrpg inspired um game uh, i heavily heavily recommend checking out this demo and seeing what this game is about it is it is so cool it is so cool (laughs) i'm watching
3: it now it looks like they made secret nim into a video game (laughs) yeah
0: that so thank you uh thanks for giving me some time to uh chat about that and putting uh that on the radar for some people hopefully and yeah thank you for rejoining us chow i know you had some things to get to but you wanted to talk about epic seven
3: Yes, I do. Uh, I, don't, today. I don't think I talk about this game much in, in this chat before. Have
0: That's I? true. Not not really. We talked about it a few times here, but this is um, uh, a mobile game uh, that has, I think it's turn based.
3: Yeah, um, it's turn based.
0: Yeah, so turn based uh, mobile game, and yeah, this is what this like the for a lot of people. Like, I think the the thing that they remember about this game is I forgot the name of the engine, but this engine allows them. To really like reproduce like sort of like anime-esque cutscenes like when they do like their special attacks and it's just like, an overall visually beautiful game uh why do you want to talk about us with the why do you want to talk about epic 7 with us today chow uh, what's there, going on
3: there's a lot of well, things going on with the game recently from from being like a stale meta from artists quitting there's a lot of a lot of things going on with the game yeah. recently.
0: Let, let, let's break it down like so first, before we get to the artist quitting, like uh, Epic Seven obviously has PVE content, but a lot of like veterans who play Epic Seven are like usually done with PVE content. So a lot of that uh, user base is really really uh, uh, focused on like the PvP side of uh, Epic Seven. Uh, Epic Seven like allows for like real time. P- I-, I think it's real time PvP, right? Yeah, it's real time PvP. Yeah, right? yeah. PvP, uh, yeah against right. other players. And like I know I have a handful of friends that are like in in that meta or like who follow. Along with that game, and like try to do their best in PvP because they get they genuinely get a lot of fun out, out of the PvP aspect of that game.
3: Yeah, the PvP is all, all right. I actually enjoyed it, uh, but the meta just kind of gotten really kind of ridiculous over the last few years. They keep saying, or the last few months basically, they keep saying that they won't like power creep something, then all of a sudden just completely. Shoot that out of the floor. And yeah, so
0: I, so there's like that very ba- basic like understanding of like just an outsider's perspective, maybe outdated. But I remember like, like say the the collab of the Guilty Gear like uh, a few years back, and they reran it like for a good chunk of time. Like units from this limited time collaboration with Guilty Gear was like the meta. Like these are like one of like the most pro- some of the most powerful units you can get into your team in Epic Seven.
3: They were for a bit, but they're not meta anymore. Uh, a new collab is now the meta it's from was it the time i reincarnated it as a slime <laughs> yeah
0: the yeah the the slime isekai collab like i i remember for a good chunk of time because like the collab units are generally very powerful like even though my my uh, friend of mine wasn't a re-zero fan he's like rem is on my team she's amazing in this game i'm a rem fan even though i've never you know <laughs> read or watched uh, re-zero you know so yeah the, now that i guess there's a new collab it's that slime isekai um a show and light novel uh t- tell us a little bit about you know what's good what's going on why why is it uh making the meta stale well, like what are aspects of like the combat just to like a late in layman's terms so uh, we can the at least...
3: very simple a- every character has three different skills uh the first one's basically their auto attack mm-hmm. uh the second skill is like random it could be a passive skill or it could be like you know just like a second skill right mm-hmm. and the third skill is like their ultimate attack with whatever their ultimate attack could be it could be like just a shield it could be just like some you know, full screen aoe it's like a very simple game to play um, it's not too complicated uh, the biggest problem with this game is the gearing system it uses the what's like it, it's like a random upgrading kind of gearing system every every free upgrades you get a random stat and to get the most optimized gear just requires a lot of grind and optimization you know just I never get it. You know? Yeah, that's that's
0: kind of that's kind of like what makes Epic Seven infamous in like these communities is like the gear. Like, it's not so much that put pull, like pulling the characters. Obviously, is it's an ordeal in itself. But like, but the character pulling for characters for, for veterans in that game, it wasn't never really like the the main like kind of obstacle in their way. It's all uh, it was always about the gearing process in Epic Seven because, like, from what I understand, I, I don't know if this has changed. Is like the gearing is like is very RNG. Yeah, it's
3: extremely like, RNG. Um, yeah. you definitely remember Genshin's artifact system, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember. It's that. exactly
3: the same thing. The only reason why people give Epic Seven a hard time about it because there's PvP involved. While Genshin, there's no PvP involved, so they would be like, "Oh, whatever, it's just RNG. You you just use this for PVE." It was like, what the hell does it matter? You know, but now that you're fighting against other people, so now you start to complain that you lose to other people. That's like, oh, that guy probably had better RNG than I did in gear, you know.
0: And so that I, that, like, that is true to some extent. You have to imagine as well, like uh, since you know, a, a person who is uh, has optimized gear will generally have like a uh, somewhat easier time in winning than someone who has like less optimized gear in that type of game. Like you, you let's say you have like the same exact like parties up against each other, like. From then on, like the thing that will determine the outcome of that battle is definitely the gear.
3: Like, yeah, that's usually how it goes. But
0: so, so, what's going on with the meta now? Like, well, what's
3: now the meta people... was like? I think what happened was they release a few heroes and they just keep buffing them and it just made them stronger. And it just kind of like a repeat mistake from when the game first started.
0: Is it is it more so that like these heroes like do so much damage that like it, it doesn't really matter? who like who else you might have, or is it like a certain skill or unique trait that they have that is making the, the meta like... It, it shook up the meta to a point that it's like, why would you do anything else but this? They,
3: um, basically, back in the first version, they made these characters that are super hard to get. Basically, what happened to get these characters, they're called the Moonlight Heroes. What you have to do is you summon 120 times for one chance to get them at a 2.5% 2 2. rate. So 120 times for a 2.5% chance to get them. Okay, okay yeah, so, so
0: yeah, so like to to make make sure people understand like there's not there's not 120 rolls to like to to get to a pity. There's 120 rolls to reach a better percentage chance to roll them.
3: To get a, to get a currency that lets you roll for them. So they're extremely rare. Okay, um, but
0: but but you're not rolling 120 times to like guarantee that you roll them. No, you're... there's
3: no there's no pity for them until uh-huh was it they added a separate currency that has pity to get them later on but that's a year later but they're extremely hard to get so Mm -hmm. either you spend roughly maybe about I don't know like 700 USD to buy enough currency to get the pity to get them or you just participate in like guilt wars to fight for like at least half a year to get currency they added more currency more ways to earn the currency to get them but they're still hard to get okay but yeah, when the first when the game first came out, if you got one of these heroes, uh, you could basically sell your account on eBay for like six hundred dollars or something like that. Holy shit. You got one mm-hmm. of them because the chances are so low, and you also had to beat the entire game in order to get the chance to roll them. Because if you didn't beat the game, they won't let you access the shop. That oh, that so, so it's them. like it's
0: like progress gated. So you need to yeah. like 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 beat the story up to a certain point, or like the whole story.
3: You had to beat the entire first story. Oh, okay. Wow. So, eventually, uh, they find that it's very, very difficult. So, they added them into the regular gacha. You could get them in the regular gacha, but their rate is like 0.015. So, right. your odds of getting them are very low. But now they're in, in the gacha pool. So, when the Japanese server is launched, they were in there. And people know that there's one hero that's completely busted. So, they just kept rerolling like, millions of times until they get that hero. Instead of like the American server where so they didn't bother re-rolling because they had to beat the game first before they even allowed to get them right uh in the Japanese server, it was plagued by the system because a lot of the Japanese players just know who the meta player uh, meta character is so this just rerolled and they just get the character and everyone was using them and their their Japanese servers was completely destroyed because of it
0: okay, yeah all right so so now, now what's the situation now then?
3: Well, say, the situation now is like, uh, you know, they said they're not going to make them too overpowered. The reason why they don't want to make them too overpowered is because there was drama back in the day where people got a currency to let them pick whatever hero they want because that guy was so busted. that And they had to nerf him because, you know, they don't want a situation that they had to hand out free tickets again. And that, that's always a
0: shaky thing, too, because like you, you know that like a good a, a portion of your population put a lot of money into rolling this character. Only for them to get nerfed, so I imagine that's a whole ordeal in itself.
3: Yeah, this guy was so busted when they uh, when they nerfed him back then. It's like, well, he wasn't busted, but people complain he was so useless, so they overbuffed him. And when they overbuffed him, it was like the dumbest hero in the game, and they had to nerf him twice before before people are like, okay, I, I can deal with this now. You know, but they overbuffed him to a point. It was so dumb. I could even explain to you who who what kind of sane person would have thought this was a good idea.
0: So, Basically. so, so, okay, okay, yeah. Explain it, the, like just, uh, just quickly, like, you know. Okay, the,
3: the rough gist of this hero was that every time he dies, he revives with like a sixty percent greater attack buff, and okay. he also does AOE damage. So, if you kill him, he comes back to life and instant kills your entire team. That just sucks. How he was this <laughs> okay. Uh, so the way to get rid of him is you get a character that either attack twice in a row, so when you kill him, he comes back to life, you kill him again, so he couldn't do anything. Immediately?
0: Okay. Well, uh.
3: Or the other thing is you get these heroes that if you kill them, they are dead permanently. They're called extinction abilities, so
0: how do you get uh... rid
3: of them. But yeah, that was so dumb because he would just come back to life and just you know because with the greater attack buff, he just instantly kills your entire team oh
0: that that's that's no longer the, the that's thing. no longer
3: yeah. the case he doesn't get the greater attack buff okay
0: okay so well, what's going on now, and how does the slime uh... um
3: right now is like the slime is completely broken the slime is basically you attack him then he comes in and he steals your buffs, so let's just say you your party's like fully buffed and has like like all these cool buffs and stuff. And you dare to attack him? He comes and copies your buffs. So you have like all these crazy buffs on yourself.
0: Well, let's uh, let's say like um, you have an AOE uh, attack. If the, if that AOE attack hits the slime, that the, they'll still take all your party's buffs.
3: Yeah, he, he comes back and hits you a counterattack where he copies your buff. That's what he does. And oh. so you have like some really crazy buffs. He steals it from you. And, and it,
0: Like, it's not, it's not even a copy. It's like, it, it just straights up. You you, don't have, you, don't, you no longer have buffs. It's all mine now.
3: Uh, you still have your buff, but he, okay. ha- he takes it all and gives it to his entire party. Oh, okay. So, and, yeah, and, that's and, already and, and really this, cheap, right?
0: Does this stack with, like, your current, like, with the enemy's buffs as well? Like, does it does say they had their own buffs? Like, does that... Stack onto their existing buffs, or like it's just like a copy paste, like uh, overwritten.
3: It, it, it overwritten because the game only has like one types of buff, right? So it doesn't stack. But if you have an attack, a, attack buff, then you know the whole part gets attack buff. Oh, he steals your buffs, so that's the first thing that makes him kind of OP. But the second part is he does fixed damage, so no matter how strong your units are, like how much HP they have he does a fixed amount of damage, so he can easily one-shot them without having to worry about gear. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he's extremely busted to a point that, you know, the tier list is called Rimumu and Friends. (laughs) Or Slime and Friends. (laughs) That's how the meta calls it. Oh my god. But, yeah, he is so busted. Um, But it was, I think the problem kind of stems from the patch before. They they made this one four-star hero that was kind of super busted because what she does is that if you dare to use like an AOE attack, she gives her team like a like a push for a free turn, and then a free like one hit uh, invulnerability. So, what was it? And if she moves, she removes all your buffs and silences everybody, and everyone just can't do anything for the rest, and people have to kind of fight their way around it and. It was like a very busted hero, and they just keep releasing heroes similar to the to kind of these, where they just like they're super fast. It kind of gives you a weird debuff, and then you don't know what to do anymore.
0: How long has this been going on for for this game?
3: For like the stale meta that you were saying, Uh yeah, probably about the most recent year.
0: A year? It's been going on for a year now.
3: Yeah, it's it's probably about a year when these heroes came up, and then
0: has there been like a significant like. Law, like population loss uh, as time goes on.
3: Uh there's always population loss, but I don't know. Every time when something like this happens, there's always like this Korean protest. Uh did we mention who the developer of this game was?
0: Um, no, you can go, you can go mention it, it right now.
3: It is Smilegate and Super Creativity. Smilegate is, uh, as recent, Josh has been playing Lost Ark. They were oh, I game.
0: I quit it months ago. So, but, but yes, oh, yeah, same, it's from same
3: publishers. Uh, same the, publisher, sorry. Uh, the developers called Super Creativity. Uh, they used to work on their own and, until Smilegate bought them.
0: So, are uh, are they going to address it? Have they like said anything about it? Or? They keep
3: saying they're sure. going to address it, but nothing has been actually done. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like recently, it's just been kind of weird and. They're going through some kind of weird censorship law in in Korea right now, and now I've, heard, I've
0: heard about this actually. Yeah, the the we're moving on to like the, the second part of this. Where like, what are like the main? I forget I forget their name. Sorry, maybe you know. But uh, what are, like, the what are like the main Epic Seven artists that was like there from the beginning and like designed a lot of like the key characters and, like uh, left because of what you're saying, like this new censorship law.
3: Um, his his name is uh, Serlin. Uh, Serlin? 999? I think that's what the number is, is, but it's like Serlin. That's that's his name. Um, he said that he could be as a change of pace, but the timing just kind of seems kind of too convenient, you know? It's like, it just happens when all these censorship laws are going through, and it's actually one whose character is being censored. So, I don't know. It's just like the timing just seems too good. It's like you work yeah, like, like you know,
0: obviously, like, uh, the, the, the characters, like, some of the characters they designed for the game, like, you know, like it's a, like part part of the appeal for the for these gacha mobile games is like making very sexually attractive, appealing characters. So they 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 are not afraid to like show off a, lot, a bit of skin in them. But it like especially when it sometimes you'll have like weird like censorship stuff when it's coming to the West, where like they censor the outfits for marketing materials, but not actually in the game. And sometimes you know they'll actually just flat out censor it for like different releases in the game. But it it, it starts. I guess in this case, like it starts to hit home a little but it's like in your like native country like for like the origin of the game um so like you said the the even though they the, they say it's for a change of pace but you know the timing is a bit suspect and like when they I, I saw like the tweet like it, it it was like accompanied with like a character that they, de- they designed for epic seven that was very I, I think they were like affected uh, for it specifically right? Yeah, yeah. But so that that, nah. that sucks. Like you know, like kind of doing your artists, like dirty, dirty like this. Like I, I, I can understand like, you know, especially like Western sensibilities and like different uh, values when it comes to sorts of that stuff. But when it comes to like you know your your native country specifically, and like you definitely wanted to like you know you're doing your best. You know, you your your own style as an artist, you know. Like uh,
3: I think the issue is that, that I find that it's kind of silly. Is they're trying to? It's because Apple is apparently is the problem. They're censoring them. Oh in, wow! In in the Korea side, because the game is rated plus twelve in Korea for Apple, oh. but it is like 16 or fifteen for Google because it's the you're at the age twelve kind of rating. That's why you had to censor it. But the problem oh. is you're using Gotcha as a business model. It's like I don't think kids should be playing a gotcha game i i agree
0: i I wholeheartedly agree that they should they should be like age gated you know that like these are not child friendly games uh for sure
3: but so, their reasoning is like they have to push for the plus twelve rating because it's hard to find on the Apple app Store if it's not a plus twelve so it's like
0: there are some weird things going on on like Google's end too like where there's been recent reports where there's like a large amount of users who are having trouble getting like processing payments for like uh trying to get like currency from like different regions of uh games. So like like for 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 instance, like um players who play on Android and use Google Play to pay for like gacha currency, say for like for the since they're playing the Japanese version of Fate Grand Order, for some of them like Google has been recently like clamping down on like not letting like diff- like different regions allow uh different players to ask like purchase like different another region's currency.
3: I, I think there's a reason behind it. I think there was a lot of fraud going on with that thing, and some, some of the good bystanders probably got hurt in the process because of it. Uh, I did something similar with Fire Emblem Heroes. I, I I don't know. I went to some shady website that, that says they can sell me cheap orbs, and I mm-hmm. didn't cheap orbs, but where did they came from? I don't know. You know, that's the question. i basically,
0: you really went to like a shitty website to get the orbs? Yes, that's I so, that's it's so like, sick.
3: It's like, okay, imagine you're paying thirty bucks for uh-huh. for like, was it like five hundred orbs? It was like five times more than what you get. Okay, so you're well, like,
0: they, they they delivered as long as you're they safe.
3: Where did the currency came from? All I know is like some somebody logged into my account from the Philippines.
0: Uh huh.
3: But the question is like, is it a stolen credit card? Is it from is it from their cheaper currency? What is it? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Hey. Yeah, okay. Well but I never that... got
3: banned for it. Just to let you know, I never got banned from it. And yeah. never said anything and nobody yeah. came after my house, so
0: Yeah, as long as you're safe, then
2: you know.
3: But then... I-, I feel like it's in the same boat. It's like where where did this money came from? Did that somebody did some poor stole got stolen?
2: <laughs> I blame Genshin players. <laughs> <laughs> knowing oh, no. that
3: absolutely nothing
2: and having no like frame of reference, I've seen so many stories of Genshin players like stealing credit cards to, oh, to get yeah. their yeah. of gems. And it's like I blame Genshin players. Yeah, well, that, that, that,
0: that's that's always been the case for Gacha games, but that's, Genshin has definitely uh, popularized and mainstreamed these kinds of games.
3: Uh, yeah, the most recent win is with this, uh was it in Persona Five? There's a Dogen or yeah called Showtime or something, and they're project manager uh stole all the money and threw it on genshin and now
0: oh yeah yeah i I, I saw the story as well it's like a fanzine right
3: yeah yeah now they're trying to get all the money back
0: oh shit
3: dude that's insane i don't know you could get the money back not not yeah i don't
0: know i'm not sure about that but I, i i'm not a lawyer either
3: so but yeah, uh, th- this stuff is dark, and yeah, don't don't fall into this trap. But I just feel like the game is just going into a weird direction with the meta, and they keep saying they will do something to fix it. and they just made one unit, just power creeps everything, and just make it the uh, situation worse. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know cool. if that's the solution, guys.
0: Well, thanks for sharing your time with Epic Seven. That's that's been that's been a crazy it, like the 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 gotcha world the has been weird lately. Especially like a, like it is not a news story that we're going to cover, but. You know, uh, Square Enix is shutting down the global version of Final Fantasy Record Keeper after what, like seven or eight years? Seven and, and half a half years. Yeah, been, uh, yeah My been, cousin been, played it back
3: ride. in the day. I think yeah. they told me that they quit because it got too many features. You know, it feature bloat. Whatever.
0: Yeah, it like like you know, any long standing like gotcha game like that, especially after that many amount of years. Like, I can. It's definitely understandable why they feel the need to keep on adding and adding and adding more. But you know, but. It, at the same time, it's been it's been it's been a long run for that kind of game, and uh, it, it brought it brought people sadness, happiness. It's brought a lot of cool uh, rearrangements of classic FF themes to the scene. Hopefully, they have a way to like archive that somewhere. But yeah, it's been it's been crazy. So yeah, thank you for uh, sharing your time with Epic Seven, and we'll continue to monitor the situation on what, those kinds of games, seeing what's happening to them. Um. Before we head to the news, uh, we have some article shout-outs. I already shouted out Cullen's uh, Nirvana Initiative review for the sequel to AI the Somium Files. Uh, Scott also brought up his uh, review for Symphony of War, the Nephilim Saga, which recently released uh, on Steam. Uh, That's that uh, indie uh, game that's heavily inspired by Ogre Battle that uh, has been... It's continually getting updates as well from the developer uh, as time goes on. So they seem to have that all in order. And Scott uh, has has it enjoyed his Side game. He seemed to really enjoy it. And yeah, for anyone who has wants to scratch at Ogre Battle Itch, it seems to be a sufficient uh new, newer title that uh brings that experience to the table. I also picked it up uh not too long ago, but uh, haven't ha- I won't have much time to like play uh uh you know other games. Uh so we'll see if I get around to that before the year ends. Uh and I do want to it seems to be pretty cool. Um we also have an interesting feature up from Paige Chamberlain uh our contributor of, over in Australia. Um they were talking about how Mistover uh which is a, a game that came out a dungeon crawling RPG that came out in 2019 that'll be getting delisted just shortly on June 30th. So they wanted to like make sure to kind of get the word out on like what that game is, how it plays, their experience with it and like it's not the uh, you know as they mentioned. It's not like a game that will set the world on fire. It's like a, a masterpiece. But you know, there it's it's always it always sucks when like a game gets delisted permanently, and we don't know if this this game will um, get relisted. Uh, the developers Crafton and they've entered uh, a publishing relationship with Arc System Works to get this on the market, and we don't know if Crafton uh, has any capability or any desire to relist this after it gets delisted uh on June 30th. So definitely you know give uh the their impressions a read and like they kind of break down uh pretty extensively what kind of game and what systems are going on in Mistover and if that is um if that is working for you uh consider maybe picking it up. I believe they still have a demo for it if you want to get hands on with it as well but Get get on it because if you if you don't want to miss out, uh, make sure to get uh, either get some hands on or read the read their feature on uh, this game because there's not a lot of time left before it gets delisted. So, we we also have another feature from another uh, contributor to, who goes by uh, Kennedy. Um, their their Twitter's at RedBardIsCool. is uh, cool. This is a really interesting uh, feature to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the Dot Hack series from um, CyberConnect2 and Bandai Namco. Trying to exploring why is Dot Hack Quarantine, which is the last um, of the four games from Infection, Mutation, Outbreak, into Quarantine. These were the 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 tetralogy that released before the GU games came out. Um, Dot Hack Quarantine in particular, over the years, has become infamous. And in, and uh, in the PS2 uh, market because it's been very expensive and only rising in price as the days goes on. Um, in comparison to all the other dot hack games, like this one is just absurdly expensive. And they uh, brought a pretty extensive feature as to why is this pre- the title in so much more expensive than the rest of the dot hack games. Uh, I I had the honor of like uh, editing this article for um this contributor and like seeing you know because i i am into the uh into the dot hack series and i also own dot hack quarantine on my shelf because i got this on release day and still in great condition uh i love it i will never sell it but um that's,
2: that's how i feel about so it's robo it's like it, it's it's wild just how many cyber connect two games just sort of like that
0: <laughs> yeah so I I recommend people give that a read because it is such an interesting uh, retrospective and uh, points into like some pretty like convincing evidence as to why that game in particular is like running six hundred to seven hundred dollars on average, uh, so, and will be even more in the future if this uh if no if it do, if this original tetralogy of Dot Hack doesn't get a re release if it gets re released then you know I, I'm sure that price will um dip but in the meantime yeah it, it was it's a really cool feature so yep
2: give it uh, a read and uh also check out her youtube channel she hasn't uploaded it in a while but she had you've probably seen some of her videos
0: uh i probably have yeah yeah uh, yeah it's, it's a it's, it's from a, uh yeah because they're a youtuber and they've they have a deep love for the dot hack series just like me um and also, just uh, just as a, off the cuff, Mark, uh, Bandai Namco released a Dot Hack twentieth anniversary trailer. Just kind of commemorating the series as a whole. There's no new like, game projects that they announced through there, but they do have, plan to hold an exhibit in Japan uh, for it and like uh, selling merch to commemorate the twentieth anniversary series. Uh, like with some new artwork of some of the heroes and heroines from the series uh, alongside it, but. For the meantime, there's no new game announcements or game re-releases for the Dot Hack series as of this point. All we have, the only tangential thing that may point to one is uh a few months back Bandai Namco released a uh trademark uh called Last Recollection, and we don't exactly know if this is a Dot Hack related thing, but the 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 subtitle uh to the recent GU re-releases was Last Recode. So, we don't know you don't know uh as much as i love the tetralogy i don't know if like a remastered re-release would do them service because i feel that their gameplay is has hasn't aged well so if they if they're up to the task of like doing a full remake of it that'd be crazy and i'd i'd be interested to see if they pull that off but you know we'll see uh so hold on hope hope hope.hack fans and yeah so. That's what's been going on for the site as far as features have been uh, and reviews are concerned. So, on to the news. And we do have a good chunk of news here. And let's kick it off with Nintendo has uh, recently had a tech Nintendo Direct. Um, and it was over 20 minutes uh, solely focused on Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, have you seen this uh, Direct, Adam?
1: No, I was working.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this Xenoblade 3 uh direct uh went over it, it, was, it was sort of like a recap of info that they've been uh showcasing uh d- during those uh that those Japanese info drops that you've been collecting, Adam. So but it, it, it shows a lot of brand new footage to accompany like uh that info uh going on. It was kind of a weird uh direct because before they got into the direct proper they had like a 3 minute teaser trailer for the direct that played before the direct happened right before so just like okay <laughs> i guess but it does give us uh, people uh a lot of uh info to digest and i kind of went over in the news bit kind of explained step by step of like what info showed and tried to make that um showcase more digestible so aside from the story stuff that they they've been, you know, showcasing like there's this uh, these nations of Ke- uh, Kevis and Agnes at war um, and you, they showed off like the six playable characters, the six main characters in Xenoblade 3 with Noah, Yuni, Lance, Mio, Taion and Senna. Uh, you know, half of them are from Kevis, half of them are from Agnes. At first they start off as antagonists towards one another. Uh, but but from the forces that uh, be, they are kind of forced to work together uh, because of certain events that happened uh, early on in Xenoblade 3. So, I don't want to like, give off too many plot details, but I think one of the particular things that uh, they showed off in the Direct that really built the world of it is that the forces of Kevis and Agnes are composed of clones, and these clones only can live up to 10 years. Uh and that and that applies to our main characters as well. They are all clones and they can only live up to 10 years. So that's kind of like the big narrative hook behind the backgrounds of these characters. Um aside from that, they go into a lot of gameplay details. They explained that as players are traversing the open world in, you know, Blade 3, they'll encounter colonies along their ways that they're like kind of base camps or resting and shopping. Um, there'll be vendors there that like provide accessories to enhance the stats of the party, um, and there all, along the way, like these rest spots aren't colonies, but also like a campfires that you uh, ex- come across in the world. So players can do like uh, save there, manually save. They can uh, rest there, like hang out with their party members, uh, do cooking, and then they also brought back Jeff, gem crafting. From uh, Xenoblade One, though I think uh, the the system doesn't seem as involved as Xenoblade One, so I don't think people should be freaking out over it yet. I think it's like a more simplified, streamlined version that they're introducing in Xenoblade Three, unlike in Xenoblade One where it got really, really uh, deep. And do you remember like kind of the how Xenoblade One handled uh, jet crafting, Adam?
1: I know a big part of it was that it was tied into like character affinities, which I don't think exists anymore um Mm -hmm. so like if you had two characters who had high you know affinity for each other then like your ceiling of like whatever your gem could be would be higher and then it was also semi-random because like you'd have characters who would like this character has a high chance of getting like um for lack of a better word like they get on a roll and they get like uh high heat i think they called it heat or something like that i think so yeah i think (laughs) that was (laughs) um to like and then it, you could get lucky and get like really really good weapons or gems for your weapons or armor. But it was it was there is a an affinity element to it and a random element to it and like a character element to it. So it was kind of was,
0: it was it was wild. But I think I think though like in an earlier like uh, Japanese info drop uh, for Xenoblade Three, they kind of went over gem crafting. It's like it seems a lot. More, it doesn't have like that character affinity or getting the heat style anymore. It seems like hey, you have mats for it. Putting the gem craft and then. For like these mats and some gold, you'll get the gem that you want. So I think it's in. You know, I don't think people should freak out that it's back. It's like, oh, it's cool that like kind of bringing that. It's more more so like the 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 gem itself is back more so than like the process of getting it. Mm-hmm. I think that's been left behind. So they also say that they you know along the way you'll encounter landmarks like in previous Xenoblades. And, you know, when you encounter landmarks, you'll get some experience, a skill point, and um, you can also fast travel back to some of these landmarks. Um, and an interesting thing that they also mentioned is that they have a quest drop function where uh, for people who want to like a, a route to follow uh, to, towards their next, like, point of interest, you can, like, toggle on or off, like, this, like, so, sort of, like, line. It reminds me of, like, uh, Dead Space 1 where, like, how Isaac can, like, can, like put out like a pulse and it'll, like show a line to like how to get to the next session next section in Dead Space. In this one you can follow a line though you have to be pretty uh, be situationally aware because these lines will not account for like the levels of enemies that might uh, come in your way. So didn't, like the line might the
1: Blade Cross have this? I'm trying to remember. I'm, I don't remember. I know I played uh, other games might, with this have. sort of uh system where it just Yeah. Uh basically shows you like the bird's eye or you know Bird flight path to the to the next objective, but it's just gonna go straight through whatever enemies might be there, so yeah,
0: so it's so all like play it'll be up to players if they want to use this, like hey, make sure that like this light isn't pointing you towards like a level forty enemy and you're like at the beginning of the game because it'll do that um but like because mm-hmm. it's just trying to be- find like the most efficient route towards there, so it's up to the players to be like, okay, maybe I should be like maybe. Go around this monster instead of going right through it, because this is what the line says,
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we can have that. Um, there's also like uh pretty cool things that they kind of teased in the in that footage where like hey, there's like you might get like a submarine to traverse through water uh in that game. so after they go through some of like the world stuff in that, they kind of start breaking down the the combat system in this game it's pretty meaty um but it's it's covering the basics of you know of like hey there are roles for each character you have an attacker role a defender role a healer role uh defenders want to get aggro uh from enemies because your uh, the other roles can't take as much damage um and so obviously healers are making sure that like they provide buffs and support and healing for the party attackers are uh focused on making sure to use abilities uh, that are um that work to their advantage. So let's say like you may want to use like an ability on a uh, uh, on a enemy's side because it'll like the break status, you know, and that and then from there on other characters can follow up that combo with your typical break topple launch smash combo from like prior Xenoblade games. So they, they no this is not anything new to the Xenoblade series. They've had this dynamic for quite a while uh here. They also mentioned how the class system is gonna work in Xenoblade three, where um everyone starts off with like a default class, like uh Nova has a sword fighter class, Senna has an Ogre class, um and then like the Defender class, um uh, Mio has the Zephyr class, which is like an evasive tank, sort of like Dunban, uh yep. in in uh, Xenoblade one, and then the Heavy Guard uh class of Defender is more like um Rhine. Uh, so they they instead of avoiding they're taking hits. And then the healer has like a medic gunner and tactician classes for, as default classes for the playable characters, but they're not bound by their uh, uh, roles and class. Uh, players are free to switch up their uh, each uh, playable character's classes into another ca- class. So like um, Mio doesn't always have to be an evasive tank. She can, uh, she can switch over to the sword fighter class and like take on a more like offensive role as well. So she'll be an attacker, so she'll take on the attacker role. Um and as like they're switching up classes, they also take up their outfits. So, you know, Swordfighter ha uh Noah has that, that red jacket for a Sword Fighter class. Well if Bio goes to that Sword Fighter class, she'll get a red jacket too. And uh interesting to note that like players, this are the transmog mechanic comes in for like if you don't want to switch out that outfit but wanna still have the class, you can do that uh in the game. So that's really cool for people who like want to be if they want to have like other characters be like the same outfit, so they all have like uniforms, these are matching outfits, or they can like have switch it all up and have everyone look different as well. So that's always cool. Um, they also mentioned in the direct that uh, how the arts work in the game, like in prior Xenoblade games, you have arts that fill up. Um, the it's kind of weird, uh, how they detailed it in, uh, in prior Japanese info, where some arts are done by cooldowns and some arts uh, are refilled by um attacks like in xenoblade 2 so there's like that distinct thing where some classes refill over time through cooldowns and some re- refill through auto attacks um but as you're playing uh going through battles and experience with these classes um you can rank up these classes and after a certain point after you've mastered a class you can like have these master skills or master arts that you can take over with you at any time um to another class so let's say uh noah has Master the sword fighter class that has like these master arts these master arts will be with him no matter what whether he goes to a medic role or defender role. He always has access to these master arts that he can bind to and uh and these master arts are their own separate thing in battle that they can use so yeah you have your selection of master arts from a from a class that you've mastered and then uh your your current class's arts uh all the, all working together in tandem and some um current arts that you have and some master arts that you have can link together and like form a fusion art where you can actually like uh get get the effects of both of these uh attacks and arts simultaneously as you fire off this fusion art so it's a lot. It's a kind of a mouthful to explain and get through, but that is what the direct did. Well, other <laughs>
1: other uh, job job based games have similar systems yeah. where you can master it in one job and then carry it over to a next. I the, I, Zero I,
0: Blade X had like a similar like class mechanic. There's, there's as probably well.
1: some limitations, but you know, there's going to be eventually. The idea is, is when you, as you get you know further and further into the game, you're going to have more and more arts and classes available like for your character, so you can. The I assume the level of flexibility you'll have will just increase and increase in there. Um, I'm sure there'll be like the usual um, super bosses or high level. It feels like in Xenoblade games, always the most dangerous enemies are just not story bosses, but just some random fauna on some field somewhere. Um, it's, like, or you it's, might, like it's like immovable guns. Yeah, where you, you, you might have Blade to have like certain classes and certain <laughs> skills to focus on. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, so there's a, there, obviously this is uh, going to be a lot of versatility in, in this already, but then they also showed off like how does the seventh party member that you've seen in screenshots work into this. So at some points in the game, you can have a seventh party member join the core six, and these are called hero characters. So they can assist out in battle. Um it seems to be that like uh from like the a footage guest that they character.
1: Showed
0: yeah. It's like a guest character, but like in the in the footage that they showed in the direct, sometimes there'll be like multiple hero characters with you. So you can only have one of them out at a single time, and all of the hero characters have unique hero classes that your characters can learn from as well. So on top of like just the core six classes, you'll have hero classes that you can also learn for your characters. uh so that's interesting. so <laughs> so it's it's a lot and then uh the final like mechanic that they went over is the Oroboros mechanic where like certain pairs in the party, like Noah and Mio. Uh, can fuse together into this Ouroboros form, kind of like a mecha form, or like maybe more so like a beefed up common rider of sorts, where um, they have access to new arts uh, with them. They also have like enhanced stats together. Uh, I, th- I I think I don't know if they revealed this prior or not to this direct, but uh, the Ouroboros form has like two forms, and it the the depends on. Like, who the dominating character is. So, like, the Ouroboros that Noah and Mio form has two different forms depending on if Neo is the dominant uh, character or if Mio is the dominant character. And each of these forms have different arts along with them. And they also showed off that each of these Ouroboros forms has a skill tree uh, aside to them as well. So, (laughs) even more customization and uh, party uh, progression mechanics. Uh, on that side of things, when um, the two characters interlink, interlink, and make that, and then uh, lastly to conclude the direct, uh, they uh, announced that just like Xenoblade Two, Xenoblade Three will have an expansion pass for thirty dollars USD, um, and much like the one in, uh, for Xenoblade Two at launch, uh, people who have this expansion pass will have like get some goodies like some consumable items. Uh, but over time, uh, new content will come out for Xenoblade Three. Like before the year ends, uh, expansion pass owners will have uh, access to a new challenge battle, a new hero, new quests, and new outfits. Um, they will also get another wave of that uh, by April 2023. Um, and also, there will be a uh, before the end of 2023, there will be a brand new story scenario to Xenoblade Three. Presumably on the same scope as Torn of the Golden Country, to Xenoblade Two, but you know, I, I don't know. I just I just, I just assume yeah, they,
1: they haven't detailed it at all at yeah. all. So yeah, but it, if
0: if you know if by history is to go by, it'll maybe be same scope as that. And they're not very being very subtle about like what this expansion pass might have because the like the accompanying key visual for this expansion pass has like the blades of the Monado, the Aegis blade. And the 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 main blade from Xenoblade Three together uh, uh, on that expansion pass um, art. So mm-hmm. may, maybe we'll see like crossover stuff from prior Xenoblades in this expansion pass. And, not cross, yeah. right? Where's oh, cross? Where's cross? <laughs> I mean, cross did come to Xenoblade Two. That's true. Um, so we'll see. We don't know. Just because Elma didn't have a distinct blade doesn't mean she won't show up. So.
3: Let me know when
0: those special editions show up. Yeah, um, they also, yeah, I don't know when they're going to open up pre orders again for their limited edition or collector's edition after uh, everyone crashed the store and couldn't pre order theirs uh, at the first wave. They haven't uh, set a, a date yet on whether, whether they're going to try that again. Um, they also mentioned that people who have the Shulk amiibo can also get a Madado skin for the Sword Fighter class in Xenoblade 3 if you want to tap in your Shulka Amiibo and do something with it. And then, that, like, they also did a little tidbit at the press release where, like, you can tap in any Amiibo uh, for, like, consumable items, I guess, as well. Uh, from that. So, I don't know. Sure, why not? So that's the Xenoblade 3 uh, direct stuff. Uh, did, did, any, uh, did anyone else besides me uh, watch that direct? All right, I'm the only one who cares about ZW3. I see how it is. Um, it's not that I don't care.
2: It's that I it's, specifically
0: I don't, don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I'm just teasing you. Um, so, um, if you guys remembered uh, from a few weeks back with that Final Fantasy 16 trailer at that state of play, um, uh, Naoki Yoshida, producer of that game, uh, said, Hey, along with this trailer, we're soon going to start up like a, a wave of media interviews. For this game, and uh, and we did get uh, a new wave of info, a lot of new info on Final Fantasy 16 because of those uh, press interviews. Uh, Quinton uh, from uh, our site has rounded up some of like the new details uh, shared from various outlets um, from from those interviews. Uh, Quinton did you know give credit to where which outlets he went to to uh, source all of this info. Um, there, there's a lot here. I don't even know where to where to start. Uh, with the with this one, the, are there any like FF16 details that you guys saw that like caught your eye?
1: Now, this is one of those things that doesn't bother me, but but like, may bother a lot of people. Maybe is he confirmed? Uh, Yoshi uh, Yoshi P confirmed that Clive is the only playable character, but he will be joined by like companions at times. So, like, there is sort of a party. It seems like it's going to like, be... It's like Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, Kingdom like, Hearts, oh, right. Where you have, like, other characters that it? are with you, um, but they're not playable. Yeah. And then um, right. he did mention that, like, maybe related to the party or maybe not, there's going to be... It, it seemed like it was heavily implied that the little doggy, whose name is Torgel, will have a role as well. <laughs> so Aww so in terms a good of, like maybe not a party member but might be tagging along and do his own thing to help in his own doggy puppy way um so that was the one thing that the interview obviously with aldo we unfortunately didn't get a chance to ask any questions but someone was going to ask about the party yeah um
0: so yeah i mean that, that that clarifies the party situation that people were fearful of whether that you know, for people who wanted playable other playable characters, unfortunately, it seems like F sixteen is not going to add that. But you know, there will be companions with you, rather. Dre. It's not going to be a lonely journey of only Clive going around doing what he has to do. Um, there's been, I think, the interesting thing that um, stuck out to me is like they gave context of like what the icons' roles are throughout the story, and it seems like um, they they uh, they compared icons like the summons in this game like the summon creatures to like weapons of mass destruction it's kind oh. of like la- last resort like tools or to, like, be- like like if things have reached a breaking point feel will bring out the icon now so they're like nukes yeah essentially and the icon versus icon battles are all unique uh where like, th- their style of it. So, like, uh, a quote that uh, uh, Quinton put out is, like, for example, maybe one icon versus icon battle is if you have icon A versus icon B, that that battle will be reminiscent of a 3D shooter, whereas another icon versus uh, a different icon, it's more like a pro wrestling match, and then maybe even a third and... Uh, a third of one icon versus icon... another icon will, will transform an entire area into a battlefield. So, they're trying to keep these... Uh, confrontations between these two massive uh summons uh like very very like like no two battles going to be play out the same that's what they're trying to uh hint towards and seeing how that i'm interested to see like how much uh control people have over like the spectacle because obviously these are be like visual crazy visual spectacles but i wonder if, like what how, how much input the player has uh over agency over that over that battle, so they um, detailed that they did they did say, hey, um, this is this is not an open world game. Um, they, these are these are zones that you run around, but this is not like a seamless open world. Um, it's, it is not like on the scope like FF Final Fantasy Fantasy Fifteen was going for. This will be like more closed off, isolated zones. Maybe some like may, maybe what you're thinking was like maybe Final Fantasy Ten more so. Uh, or twelve, you uh, mean? Or twelve, yeah. Sorry, twelve. Uh, that it's more that there, there's open areas, but not necessarily an open world.
1: Yeah, it's like a zone based um, right. game, which it feels like a lot of games are more and more embracing that. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, I think that's fine. But yeah, yeah like considering you know, Final Fantasy fifteen was a true open world. It was a it was a fair question to ask. Like, is this going to be the same or different? So, so yep, zones. Yeah. Yep. And then
0: uh, other than that, you know, they mentioned, hey, there'll be like two time, uh, two time skips uh, occurring throughout the story of, of uh, detailing life's life and what's going on there. But I, I think, uh, are there any other significant details that you guys have uh, plucked out from the recent uh, wave of uh, apparently Apparently,
1: the Dengeki interview, I mean, I, I kind of figured this was the case anyway, mm-hmm. clarified that the, the voice acting, which we know is actually being done in English first, is going to be British English. So like hell yeah, uh, you know British voice actors, which is cool because yeah, um, like Final Fantasy XII wasn't like fully British English, but it had a few like Gideon Emery, um, so you know it, it, it fits that style.
0: Yeah, the, the, the medieval, the, the, the you know, world, yeah, aesthetic. the old setting that they're going for. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. can, I can see it. Yep. So that's yeah, that's. You know more info on FS F 16 We're we're taking it where we can get it uh, as we wait till summer 2023 uh, to hopefully not get delayed until then. Yeah. Hopefully. So that that was cool to see. We also uh, got our first look at the next uh, mainline East game. Adol's adventure continues. Uh, where basketball closed. Yeah, Famitsu uh, gave uh, concept artwork of the uh, the new East game in development. It uh, shocked a lot of people. Uh, Certainly, I I did. Um, Where the concept artwork is, uh, Adol is uh, it's a young Adol, so it's not going to be a continuation uh, after nine, like like chronology wise. He won't be older uh, in this one. This will be. I don't know when when this is going to be. They just said younger, and he looks younger. Yeah,
3: I just hope they don't like. What was it reset the canon again and said oh yeah this is now the first in the timeline like what they did with the remake of 4.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly that they they haven't said anything like he, like we oh, don't like know anything like a,
3: other
1: than he's younger.
0: Yeah, like a, like the there were some tidbits from the interview with uh Kondo from Valcom uh about this title um but just it's it's so weird because Adol so young in this like his, his age looks around to be like when he was like in East 1 and 2. Almost uh, in this uh, image, and like he's very, he's very like modern clothing, something that you see like more like at the World Ends with You, more <laughs> so than like a fantasy medieval setting. So he's like very like baggy pants and like a hoodie. Yeah, it. I was like
3: saying he's wearing basketball clothes, man. He's and, doing hoops.
0: And then he's and he's uh, and they're and they're both facing away from this concept artwork as they're doing, He's like working with this other woman, presumably maybe the heroine of this uh, title uh they're doing like a like a, a, an x-slash on this like like this drew like this wyvern creature almost like um but yeah it's very flashy we don't know much about anything on uh this one but yeah the, it, they're saying in the in the interview that this story might be set outside the roman empire for uh east and that uh changing weapon attributes by swapping between party members will change significantly so they still might have this, uh, the the party system but they really want to change it up uh, in this one they haven't really said anything about like what kind of like what, what the systems are in this game like there, there have been like sort of like there's been like kind of murmurs about whether this game might be more like a, soul, a style souls like or not I'm not exactly sure of like the.
1: I know the. the I I didn't. I didn't see the interview itself, but the like leak of it, and they said apparently it said like a light souls like so like whatever that means like whatever that means. (laughs) So like not not like full souls, but like maybe maybe there'll be like a stamina system or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see.
0: So, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Um, But other than that, the the main thing is it's going to be a new use. Who who knows when they plan to reveal this? Fully, probably not 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 too far off in the future. If they're starting to talk about it now, so like uh, any any impressions, thoughts on like once you saw this concept artwork of I don't know if it's East Ten specifically, but this new East title. Like, what did you think of when you saw like this artwork?
2: I can see why uh, Ryoktya said, but.
0: Yeah, um the heroine's uh rear is very prevalent in this uh, artwork. It sticks out. <laughs> yeah, the the, <laughs> the 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 leaker of the Famitsu magazines So called out, it's like, yeah, that's uh she's wearing like purple pants and like it's very defined in It's like, Okay, we get it and then meanwhile Adol's like hey, I swear dude, Adol, like all I can think of is the world ends on you when I see Adol in this. It's like yeah like he's a guest he's a guest character from the Twiwi in this image. You can't tell me otherwise. <laughs>
2: he
0: he's a, he's Deku's buddy in this one. Yeah? But that's that's crazy. Does that that's...
3: Mean we have no Dogi again. Oh my god, that game.
0: We don't know. We don't know. Maybe we're getting too spoiled. Uh, chao. You have you had dogie in 9. We had Dogi in 8. Maybe we're getting too spoiled. you are like no no dogie again. <laughs> banished once more. Uh, we'll see. So yeah, that's 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 next in development. Um they still have Kuro no Kiseki 2 Crimson Sun coming out late September in Japan
3: yep. with an um, awesome English trailer. It has English subtitles, guys. I I
2: hate how many people are taking the bait with uh quad leopard. And you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to take this moment to say I've seen people say Oh, man, it would be great if Clouded Leopard had the uh, English localization rights for Trails. No. Oh. Please don't. It's like... Don't, don't do it. <laughs> it's like, the reason the transition to Nisa was as smooth as it was was because they were able to poach a lot of the talent that worked on the localizations under Marvelous. And uh I do not trust Clouded Leopard to do the same. It just...
0: I would like, dread it. like I like I I would dread it because like I I played one of their uh, recently released titles that was uh, localized by Tattered Leopard in English relayer and while the story dialogue was like okay it's like it, there's definitely typos and it was kind of dry at some points but you know but it's like inconsistent between characters like the actual like game menu and like progressing the skill tree sometimes and some of the skill dia skill text was like flat out wrong at some points, like, you don't want that in a Trails game where, like, a lot of, like, your important stuff in the game system itself is, like, in those menus of, like, how skills work, what it affects. You don't want those wrong when you're, like, prepping for battles, and I don't... From how of Leopard's work on Relayer, I wouldn't want them on Trails just for that alone.
2: It's like, I understand perfectly why people are frustrated about how long the wait is for, like, Falcon localizations. Like... We're hearing about East now, and it's like, it'll probably be out next year in Japan, and then it'll be out, like...
3: Early 2025 in the West.
2: Um, But, yeah, it's just, like... I understand the frustration, and I also understand that I'm talking from a privileged position here, where I'm just going to be playing that game in Japanese anyways. But, guys... Guys, you don't Man. want this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alright. That out of the way, we move on to Hey, on july thirteenth, Rune Factory 5 is getting a Steam release.
2: What I love that? how this leaked like two weeks earlier because uh the but DLC... DLC listing
0: yeah, the LC listing on Steam, so we knew it was coming. We just didn't know when and Marvelous Next Seed has confirmed that, hey, you want to run Rune Factory 5 at higher frame rates? Guess what? You have a, you have access to the Steam account on july thirteenth. Feel free. That was
3: the thing when I started.
0: So there you go. But how do you how does it feel, Chow? People who who decided to wait just a little more will now get Rune Factory Five in a perfectly smooth frame rate at uh like the, the like they showed off some footage in the in the trailers. Uh, for this game, both on Steam and on like the the announcement trailer, and that gameplay looking pretty slick and smooth uh, on on uh, this PC port. How did it feel to like look at root, smooth Root Factory Five gameplay footage with your time on the on it on Switch?
3: Uh it looked amazing, actually. <laughs> oh my God,
0: uh, there's a new game. What are you talking it, about it's
3: like oh I. I... I wish I had this to start with, but, you know, when you're, when you're tasked with doing assignments for a game like that, <laughs> that, that wasn't a solution.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. But hey, is it, I, I never got into Rune Factory. Should I start with this one?
3: No, I still recommend you start with 4 or free. I, I actually recommend starting with free if you have a DS, because it's very simple, easy to play, and not too complicated. But if you want something a little bit more, then get 4.
0: But what if I were to be part of the conversation? And be like, "Hey guys, I am playing Rune Factory right now, the newest one." And Well, wow, it's
3: still it's still a decent game to to start, but I, I definitely recommend freeze. Well, but,
0: but, but, okay, so it says like, will I have will I appreciate five more if I, I played it before or after the previous ones?
3: I think you actually would appreciate the five the most if you played that first, because the other games are just better. <laughs> I'm sorry. But that's, that's my thoughts with the series okay. right now. I, I do think that Force is still the best game of the series, mm-hmm. but I, I have a, a soft feeling for free. Because free is just... Like, the step from 2 to 3 was just huge, and I just can't get enough of it. And I wish there was a, a remake of it of some sort.
0: So, uh, as detailed here, it'll launch with a 15% discount uh, when it hits Steam. Um so it'll bring the price down from the normal 59.99 to 50.99 USD. There's also a digital deluxe edition that normally would run at 69.99 USD to 59.49 when it releases without this shop. Um and that deluxe, digital deluxe edition bundles the Rune Factory 4 Marriage Candidates outfits set, so it brings additional outfits for their characters uh characters to wear. Um, all pre-orders of it, no matter which edition, comes with the uh, like a Holy Knight and the Bibliophile's swimsuit set, and then your Ranger Care package item set, um, and you know just like the the it'll have all its content at, lo- at, at all intact when it launches. It'll have you know co-op cooking, link attacks, and same-sex marriages. When it comes out, um, pe- people who own Rune Factory 4 Special on Steam will get additional content from the Rune Factory 5's uh, piece, uh, Steam release. Outfits inspired by Less and Frey will be available for their characters. Also, Doug and Margaret from Rune Factory 4 will make guest NPC appearances in 5. So
3: So to clarify, that how it works is that you have to save file from 4, uh, Doug and Margaret will be in the town, and you talk to them to get the costume from Les and Frey. <laughs> Okay, how it
0: works. Okay, yeah, I didn't know how that works. So, Thank you for clarifying. I had no idea. Um, So after Rune Factory 5, we have Tyrion's Blessing is coming out on August 8th for Nintendo Switch and PC. Um, This is that uh, uh, game demo that I talked about, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. This is the indie game that was inspired by Into the Breach and Invisible Ink, where you can kind of your venture out with a party of three plus a pet and you uh, go against these undead forces and you can see their uh, what their turn is gonna what they're gonna do in their next turn so you can plan accordingly and position your people uh, appropriately so they don't um, get hit or try to minimize as much as much damage as possible so we didn't know when that was coming out specifically only a summer 2022 time frame but now they've uh, given us an august 8th release date for that so uh, that'll be that's that's cool. That's cool. I want to get around to it, but it's going to be a busy time for that. You um, also have a release date for Dust Diver Two. Uh, that'll be coming out on PlayStation Five, PlayStation Four, and Nintendo Switch on August thirtieth. That's just announced by Idea Factory International. Um, I'm not really too sure about Dust Diver. It, it
1: came out on Steam earlier, so this is like a port. Okay.
0: okay, and
1: um.
3: This was yeah.
0: by Ty- Taiwanese studio Wanin mm-hmm. International. And then there will be a uh, limited edition available for pre-order, which comes with an art book, a 17-track OST, and some training cards. That, uh, if you're looking forward to this game, um, the, your, the wait's almost done, August 30th, just around the corner. Um, so, this one, uh, Dragon Quest 10 Offline. This is set to release in Japan on September 15th that's for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Uh, it this has a no- Steam
1: page, but
0: <laughs> no English. Yep, yep. this is getting a Steam release, but in the- only for Japan, region locked. Uh, outside of Japan, there's no release date yet. This is the offline adaptation of the uh, Dragon Quest X MMO. This is, for people who don't want to play the MMO, this is kind of the... There's all like the, the chibi uh art style, right? Yep. Or Dragon Quest X. Um they did they this DLC expansion, is it for the MMO?
1: No, it's there's an expansion for the uh offline version that's based off of like the version two stuff of the MMO. Oh, okay. And that and that's that's so, yeah, it's,
2: it's confusing, but one of the things they did like specify is that Dragon Quest X offline when it first comes out will only be an adaptation of the base MMO and then each of the expansions are going to be recreated and are basically gonna be their own separate like DLC thing. Okay. So
0: it's like to put it to like perspective, let's say, for example, if Square Enix was to release a Final Fantasy fourteen offline like thing, then it would have like a Heaven Sword expansion yes. for that offline yes. thing. Okay. Got it. All right. So that's uh, September 15th uh, for Japan. Hopefully they announce an English localization soon. I would like to see that in English and play it. Um, Next, we have a a top-down action-adventure RPG, uh, Idleheart, that will be coming to PS5, PS4, Xbox uh, Series, Xbox One, uh, Switch, and PC on September 30th. Uh, This is inspired by... uh, uh, SNES-era RPGs like A Link to the Past um, very much, you know, is calling back to that style uh, th- throughout the release date trailer. And they also gave a 30-minute demo gameplay uh, of that back in May. I made sure to include that as well for people who wanted to check it out. Uh, this looks really charming. Retro, uh, retro uh, RPG in the RPG. You know, go, you go around this open world, uh, and then you go through dungeons, solve their puzzles there, and then you're, you you t- you take control of this dude named Idleheart, and his uh brother is uh trying to uh unleash a diabolical plan to unleash an ancient evil so got to stop him his <laughs> brother you got to stop him don't do that that seems bad but that'll be coming soon on September 30th so this one i included even though we didn't uh formally cover it on site but i uh sourced gematsu for this one um they uh several japanese outlets like for gamer uh published a new interview with uh hidataka miyazaki the president of from software uh you know just kind of checking on like what's next for from software after elden ring and it's been a few months now since elden ring's release and so what's next and uh miyazaki uh says that uh one of their uh unannounced uh, titles is uh currently in its final stages. Uh, so who knows what that is? We don't know if it's like the next armored core, or it's another one, a smaller scale one, a uh, smaller scale title. We have no idea what the, which project he is referring to, but that is in its final stages. So hopefully, you know, it, uh, we will know about it soon. Um, so and also that Miyazaki is, you know, still continuing game development, still de- plans to direct titles. Yeah, there'll be more updates coming to Elden Ring soon. Uh he didn't specify exactly what kind of updates they are, whether it's like a new new DLC or more like some smaller updates to fix up like you know maybe the balance of the game. We don't know. Uh he didn't specify. He was being very uh coy about the way he's answering these questions, but just saying, yeah, I'm just Miyazaki is gonna continue uh game development. He has no plans to kinda exit at the moment. And yeah. That's what's going on with From Software. They are current things are still happening at From Software. Uh, anything you you guys want to see? Obviously I want Armored Core uh back from From Software, but what do you what do you want to see From Software work on next after Elden Ring? Tenchu? Tenchu? You want Tenchu back? Yeah. Uh do you think Sekiro was like uh do you want it to be the next tension to be more like Sekiro, or it would be more like traditional tension? Because Sekiro feels like one of those things, like where it feels like it started life as a Seki our uh, Tenchu title, and then it it became Sekiro over time.
3: I feel I want like something to like mix of both. both? yeah, I I do want the like stealth from Tenchu games, but I do want a little bit of the Souls Combat, just mostly like the, like the parry system that you would get from Sekiro, you know,
0: Sekiro, like yeah, like yeah.
3: that.
0: Okay, yeah, I I'd be I'd welcome that uh, from from soft. Well, I think they they worked on Wrath of Heaven, right? From Soft for Tenshu, was that yeah, the PS2 one?
3: I think so. I think so. That was it, cool. Yeah. It, it hasn't come back for a while, and yeah. Sekiro is not Tenshu. You know, everyone was yeah. when everyone saw the trailer. For yeah, Tenchu, I mean, it very but, much
0: looked like Tenshu, but they they they, they kind of leaned into it. But no, Sekiro is definitely its own very different thing from Ta- Tenshu for 4. But yeah, I mean I don't know. Uh, I I kinda want I know this I know I say this every every time, but I I want from software to take a break from the Souls formula, the Souls Like formula, and like obviously Armed core, but like maybe do something new again. And like Sekiro was like I don't know if it was like I, I, I keep on thinking about it, it's like, is that enough of a departure to say that it was its own thing apart from Souls Like from it? Like it was different. It was very different from other Souls likes. Like maybe just I don't know, (laughs) do something else (laughs) even though I know a lot of people want more Elden Ring style stuff from the massive massive success of Elden Ring and that's understandable Elden Ring, hell of a game so yeah, we got uh, an interview with Miyazaki checking in and then to uh, conclude this podcast uh, we are looking forward to the next few days Adam, you're looking forward to this, I'm looking forward to this What's happening in a few days, Adam?
1: Star Ocean.
0: <laughs> the, the, the Square Enix is finally going to fulfill their promise. After last month, they said there will be more Star Ocean, the Divine Force news in June. And, well, June is running out of days. So on June 29th, they are uh, launching a, a, a live stream for uh, a Star Ocean program uh, focusing on Star Ocean, the Divine Force. This Star Ocean program was usually for Star Ocean Anamnesis, the mobile game. Uh, that game has shut down, so they're like, okay, well, I guess this, this program's kind of... you don't need it right now. But now it is coming back to deliver the goods on Star Ocean The Divine Force. And that, it's actually called Star Ocean 6 The Divine Force of Japan. Just got rid of the 6
1: in the, the Western title. They so I
3: figure they've missed up too many games, so just get do, rid do, of the numbers.
1: Do you need to play uh, Star Ocean 5... To, to understand Starship <laughs> Six, <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I don't think uh, it's okay. I think you got, everyone will be fine.
0: So yeah, uh, we'll we'll get new information there. You know, they'll have the voice actor for Raymond there, and they're gonna show off. You know, a, a lot of new game footage and details, of new game systems. You haven't really gotten anything uh, out of the game since its initial announcement. Right, uh, when probably. was that?
1: Like last August? It's almost really yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while. So. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, so obviously, next week we're not, on next week's TetraCast, we'll deliver the goods on what they announced there for Star Ocean, the Divine Force. So until then, that wraps up what we say today on the TetraCast.
2: Uh, breaking news. My uh, uh, my condo interview is now up. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: anything you want to share from that uh, condo interview? You interviewed uh. Toshihiro Kondo, the president of Falcom, we just mentioned that he had an interview for the New East uh, on Famitsu. So, what did you ask him about uh, on, on the site for the site?
2: Well, it was um, the uh, PR was supposed to be spo- um, more specifically focused on Trails from Zero since that's coming out in a few months. Uh, so, I did try and limit my questions to be to be around that game. I did manage to get a question or two in, which was like. Is there any other games you're looking to re-release besides the Crossbell duology and um, stuff about ports? Because uh, I I noted it's interesting that Niuta is uh, being developed for Switch and House. It's like, are, are you if that is successful? Are you guys looking to expand like in-house development outside of just like? playstation switch maybe back to pc or maybe elsewhere that sort of thing um some interesting questions in there uh there is a a few questions though where it's like man it kind of sucks that this was only through email because i asked him you know when i was going through cold steel three and four and then like reverie in japanese i was kind of shocked by how much of crossbell had been remade in 3d and i asked him was there ever any like consideration for doing remakes of crossbow instead of remasters because it it stood out to me that so much of it had already been like remade and uh he didn't quite understand the question he's like oh i'm guessing you're asking that because you wanted a full remake it's like no it's not not necessarily because i was just i was legitimately curious yeah yeah
0: yeah, it's it's tough, like doing email interviews. You know, especially like you know, it's very, very slowly but surely. You know, that things are starting to open up very gradually, but it's still you know, it's still not exactly safe to to go back to normal yet. I believe, yeah, yeah. but you know, that's so, all. But hopefully, you know, at a future event, maybe some future, maybe if E3 is back, or maybe if if they uh, visit Anime Expo again, but we can uh, interview him again in person.
2: Maybe uh, next year. Yeah, hopefully.
0: hopefully. Yeah, we'll it's see. Like...
2: I'm glad I'm not going to Anime Expo this year with the way cases are going in LA at the moment.
0: Yeah, COVID case is not great. Even though they're going to have One Piece Odyssey playable
2: at Anime Expo this year. But,
0: you know, we we won't be there, unfortunately, but we'll make sure to try and uh, see if there's any uh, news that comes out of that. There'll be panels from some uh, publishers there, uh, primarily focused on RPGs. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. That'll, That'll be coming up very soon in a few weeks. But yeah, uh, thank you for that interview with Kondo and uh, some insightful uh, responses from him. And especially like mentioning Kuro and his responses.
2: Uh, yeah, I just love how it's like he he just he does. I, I didn't even bring it up. He just says, "Oh yeah, well, well." The, obviously, one of the reasons we wanted to make sure that Crossbell gets localized is that it's an important piece of the puzzle when it comes to Kuro. And it's like, dude, you don't know how many people you're gonna piss off with that. <laughs> <laughs> well.
0: That's how it is. So, once again, uh, thank you for listening to the TetraCast. Um, you can find us on RPGsite.net. You can find us on Twitter at RPGsite. You can find us on Facebook uh, through RPGsite.net, on YouTube via RPGsite.net. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, your favorite podcast app. Um, you can join us on Discord. Over on our front page, we have a Discord button that you can uh, click on to join our Discord. Uh, things are always popping on the discord' I was always having fun, keeping it friendly so yeah uh as we 're all just trying to get through the summer heat uh over here over in America obviously um America has been very hot in America, both you know physically and for other matters in America, so you know stay safe, look out for your loved ones, look out for yourself, and you know just got got gotta, gotta, gotta uh, tough it out you know it 's been a very a very heavy time uh recently in America and not, not just for America, just for other places in the world as well. So just uh stay safe and you know, be be kind to one another and be empathetic, you know. Uh but yeah, uh thank you for joining us on the on the Tetracast. Uh th- thank you Adam. Thank you, James, thank you, Chow, for joining me. And you can find us uh next time over at RPG site, TetraCast. Thank you everyone.